Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Myopia Podcast. Today, we're going to be speaking about the environmental impacts and other factors that are affecting the progression of myopia. Optometric Insights Media proudly presents the Myopia Podcast, where we give you the latest myopia research, clinical topics, and industry insights. Make sure to subscribe to stay up to date on all of our awesome myopia content. And now to our host, a massive myopia manager himself, Dr. David Kading. Thank you for joining us for this episode. Today, I'm uh, going to be taking a little bit of a different approach than what we've done in the past in that I'm going to be flying solo on this episode. Um, I'd love to hear your perspectives on it. If you could uh, DM me or connect with me on social media and let me know uh, whether you like this, uh, this method or if you prefer the method where we do interviews, uh, I'd love to hear what your thinking is. But several of you have mentioned some things about uh, how we've spoken about myopia on some of the lectures that we've given. And so I thought I would share a couple of my perspectives on some things. And um, over the last uh, six months or so that we've been doing the Myopia podcast, we've had several really cool episodes uh, talking about uh, pre-myopia or how to affect patients before they get myopia, and also not to just ignore uh, and also to not ignore the aspects that are progressing due to not just refractive uh, refractive error. Uh, what I mean by that is sometimes all we do is focus on the refractive error, and we need to be focusing on the entirety of the child and the things that that they are uh, are dealing with. So when when I encounter a patient in practice, uh, there's a couple of things that. You know, I'd like to think that we we do well, and uh, and one of them is to talk about what myopia is, uh, talk about how it's going to affect and change uh, a child as they get older, especially if we don't do some intervention. Many uh, people talk about the risk factors of disease and those sort of things. And while that enters into the conversation that I have with patients, I don't think it should be the number one focus. I think we should be focused more on the functionality of having a lower refractive error than just the risk factors of developing a disease. Uh, as a clinician, we need to be focused on the disease prevention, uh, but for parents, they really want to improve the function of their child. And so in doing so, we then lead into the conversation where we talk about the refractive error corrections that we can do that also slow down the progression uh, and discuss atropine. And uh, how we go about doing that may be a topic for another discussion but I want to talk about the next aspect that we we deal with, and and that is talking with the, with the parents uh, a little bit about genetics, talking with them about things that they can do outside of just uh, just um, the correction to slow down the myopia, and then uh, the risks of uh, screen time and so forth. So there's been a lot of play and, and questions about genetics, you know, within myopia. But the reality is we haven't really seen that there is a true genetic component. Now, some people are going to say, well, that's not true. My parents were high myopes and I'm a high myope. And it appears that with regards to genetics, um, it really has more to do or likely to do that, uh, that you are like your parents and you do things similar to how your parents do them. 
The genetic component has not yet been linked all the way, uh, although there is a three times greater likelihood that you will uh, be myopic if one of your parents is myopic and a six times greater risk if both of them are myopic. And uh, the genetic link just is not yet established. And so it seems to be more due to the activities that we do that are similar to our parents. For instance, somebody may uh, be more prone to be an outdoor person. And uh, those people may have less of a refractive correction and they have children and those children automatically spend more time outside and they have less of a progression of myopia. Uh, other people may be more prone to take on hobbies that are indoors and they spend all their time reading or doing an activity, uh, playing music or something where that's where they spend their time and they don't spend a lot of time outside. And so the parent has done something like that. And so the child tends to do that. So there's this correlation with that. And those are things that we can talk about with our parent, uh, with the parents is, you know, what are some things that, uh, that your family is involved in? How does your entire family look with regards to spending time outside? Which leads us into the next one is that more outdoor time is protective for patients to develop myopia. And although we haven't necessarily seen a really strong link, at least that I know of in the literature, that once you have myopia, more outdoor time may slow the progression of myopia. Um, I do think there's something there that we probably need to be advocating for children to spend more time outside. If it was protective to get myopia, there probably is an effect to slow the progression or at least help the patient in other ways by having them spend out time outdoors. So asking the parent, are you a family that spends a lot of time outdoors? And if the family says, you know, we, we really don't, um, then telling them that, you know, they need to have their child go outdoors for two to four hours a day uh, really can be something that is difficult. Uh, you know, the parents are just going to kick the kid outside. So at that point, I say, you know, one of the one of the things that really can be protective for your kid is for you as a family to go spend more time at the park, to go on bike rides, to, uh, you know, do activities that are outside, you know, go downtown to the nearest big city and, you know, uh, walk around outdoors, uh, go and visit, uh, you know, monuments or statue parks or whatever it is. But getting outdoors has this protective effect around myopia. And we, we, we've seen that in the literature uh, time and time again to reduce uh, children's risk of, of getting myopia. You know, there also is um, something that happened during COVID, and we've seen several papers that have come out with regards to that, is this uh, lockdown myopia or uh, myopia that, uh, that, that came about in, in increasingly. In fact, there was a study that was done on over 2,000 children, and it looked at the, uh, the incidence of myopia in uh, November, December 2019, and then what was the incidence of myopia in uh, November, December 2020. And uh, it doubled. I, I believe it was 18% of the children had myopia, but it doubled in the incidence of myopia just during that time period. And this was a study that was done in China. So, you know, if we step outside of that and say, well, what was the reason for that? Uh, do we believe that when somebody gets 
COVID that they they developed myopia. And I don't I don't think anybody's making that argument. But what did we do more of? Well, one is I think people stayed indoors more. They didn't spend as much time outside. And we also know that a lot of children spent an exorbitant amount of time on screens. In fact, I um, I work with somebody in the Philippines, and uh, her children are still on full-time uh, uh, virtual school. And uh, so around the world, we know that children are spending exorbitant amounts of time on screens. And in some ways, they can't help it because they're going to school and whatnot. But during the during the stages of COVID, especially when children were in uh, in in virtual schools, I, I, I had the conversation with the parents and, and saying to them that, you know, you spend all day online with meetings and your child spends all day online with school. And then after you're done, everybody is just kind of fried. Right. It's just been a long day. And the easiest thing for a family maybe to do would be allow the children to go and play a video game or go and spend some time watching television, uh, or usually it's, it's on the phone, right? Watching a show on the phone. And, uh, and, and I just had to get to the point to say to, to the families, you know, if they're doing online school, that's all the online digital time that they should have during the day. There's got to be ways that you can play games or get outside or go to a playground or uh, go run around the neighborhood um, and, and do so in a safe way. But certainly making sure that outdoor time and uh, getting away from screens is a big part of this. I think we'll continue to see this data rolling in. As we used to be a online community, we used to be a digital device community, but we have become that far more than ever before. So a real important aspect of that is what screen times looks like for for a kid. And, um, and you know, if you've had a child who's spent a lot of time on digital devices, an hour or two or three a day, it's really difficult to back that off. And telling a parent that they just need to shut it all off just doesn't go over well. So finding things that just alternatively come into play and making simple suggestions is our role, I think, as eye care providers. And, uh, and, and, and really what I encourage families to do in, in uh, what I think is a key component is to find activities that they can do as a family that are outside. So suggesting to them, you know, I, I would encourage you as a family to set up a day where you go to the park, where, where you go and you, you play outside. And those activities become something that everybody can look forward to. Even the, the parents, right? They've been spending time all, all day um, inside. And uh, in addition to that, you know, doing uh, family bike rides or family walks. Um, we don't always do it, but my family sure enjoys going for an after dinner walk in the summertime in Seattle. And uh, those are habits that we look back on and we're like, you know, that was a good thing that we did. We never regretted doing that. It was always good. And it was really good for our children, um, not just for their eyes, but for their mental health as well. So, you know, some things that, that, that I'm bringing up here is genetics have a limited role. And what that means is that what us as parents do for our children 
may be more impactful than uh, than who we are, right? Sometimes when it comes to genetics, you just throw up your hands and say, this is the way it's going to be. But really, there are environmental things that we can do, more outdoor time, less screen time, uh, and, uh, and, and go from there. Um, in addition to that, there, there's also a study that talks about the increased education has an increased um, amount of myopes as well. And, uh, you know, that kind of makes sense, particularly if we're thinking about studying rather than being outside uh, considerable amounts or spending a lot of times uh, in books and reading and so forth, near point activities. And we just can't get rid of near point activities. We're not going to be able to throw them away as well. So following the uh, 2022 rule, uh, 20 minutes on a screen, 20 seconds away from a screen and two hours outdoor 2022 rule uh, really can be impactful and helpful for uh, for families. And uh, those are some things that I think are important for us to discuss with families in our myopia management discussions that we have with them. Uh, because if we're just fixing the problem and we're not doing anything to reduce the problem from further uh, occurring, um, it's you know it, the dam keeps building up and, and and the problem just keeps coming. So I'd encourage you to be thinking about those other environmental factors that are affecting the myopes that you're experiencing, and look to see if there's some ways that you can incorporate some of those things into the discussion. Genetics have a limited role, meaning that it's really about what we do that is affecting it. And uh, and we can have a protective effect if we can get outdoors more. It doesn't even have to be super sunny outside, but just outdoor some. And, uh, you know, educated individuals tend to have higher amounts of myopia and everybody wants to be educated, but that tells us we got to get outside. We got to follow a 2022 rule and really taking home some of the effects of uh, the lockdown myopia had an effect and increased the prevalence and incidence of myopia in kids. So with that, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll sign off. I uh, do want to mention if uh, some of you have not already experienced we do have a, uh, a newsletter, a myopia newsletter that goes out, um, and I would encourage you to check out the show notes, which will send you to a link where you can sign up to uh, sign up for that myopia newsletter. Um, in the newsletter, we go over uh, some some of my perspectives, some of the perspectives on some of the literature that's come out, um, information on myopia resources that you may find uh, valuable, and uh, you know some other tidbits. Um, I think it's uh, valuable. I'd you know be honored to have you check it out, see what you think, and uh, hopefully you'll join me again next time for the Myopia Podcast. This podcast was brought to you by Optometric Insights Media. If you enjoy our content, please leave a five-star review. And don't forget to subscribe for more great episodes.